This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast and the second in our mini-series of World Cup TSP pods. We're once again going to the heart of all things Saints FC and Qatar 2022. We're live streaming this on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. So if you're watching along tonight, please do post your questions and comments as we go. My name is Ben Stanfield and joining me this week in no particular order are the Daily Echo Saints journalist Alfie House, League One Minus 10 Blogs lead scribbler Glenn Delacour, and one of our brilliant long-time TSP patrons, Ed Busy. Speaking of TSP patrons, before we get going, a massive thank you to all of you for continuing to support this podcast. While we appreciate times of becoming increasingly tough, you remain pivotal to TSP's continuation, so thanks to all of you. We're also delighted to once again have NordVPN sponsoring this week's episode. Did you know that NordVPN is the fastest VPN on the market? Well, it's true. If you don't know what a VPN, virtual private network is, it can do so much for you. From keeping your data secure on public Wi-Fi, giving you access to the global internet, and even allowing you to access your favorite streaming websites from anywhere in the world, giving you much more content to enjoy. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash totalsaints, where you'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. So why not give it a go? Even better, it's all completely risk-free as Nord have a 30-day money-back guarantee. Further details, including that link just mentioned, can be found in the show notes for the podcast as well as the YouTube description. Right, coming up on this week's podcast, England cruise past Senegal to continue their World Cup journey. A 19-year-old superstar again shines brightly and France wait in the quarterfinals. And closer to home, we've the latest on Saints, including the men's team heading out to Spain for some sun, sea, sand and football. Underpinned by our global patrons, this is TSP World Cup Special, Episode 2. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. 
Alfie, before we get going then to uh, some of the nitty-gritty around the, the round of 16 and quarterfinals, let's briefly reflect on what's happened so far. What have you made of the World Cup overall? Uh, yeah, to be fair, I think it's been things been a really good tournament. Obviously, a lot was said about the World Cup in the build-up to it, you know, whether it should be there and all these kind of things. But I think the football itself has been good. I would say that there hasn't really been, other than the Germany and Spain group, I've not been too surprised by what's happened to me. So I think you know Germany going out was obviously a good laugh, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But like I think all the favourites in the knockout rounds, especially so far, have won their games. And from an England perspective, we haven't done anything that I didn't think we would do. But what we have done, I've been really pleased by. Yeah, I think it's been a good tournament. To be fair, they put on a, a decent lot of football, and I've enjoyed it a lot. Excellent. You're spot on, Alfie. I couldn't uh, get uh, too far into the pod without us bringing up uh, Germany. Glenn, um, obviously there were two sort of significant (laughs) European exits at the group stage. Um, As I say, reflecting back on kind of what's happened before we do start speaking about England, um, Germany and Belgium both going out of the group stage. Were you surprised to see sort of one or both of them go out given the opposition in their groups as well as the talents in their squad? I think given the opposition in their groups, I was surprised to see them both go out. I didn't think... I think Japan have been better than I thought they'd be. So, you know, for uh, for Germany to come third behind them was uh, was amusing. Belgium, I'm not surprised they've not, wasn't at all surprised they're not up to much, but I was surprised they didn't get out of that group. But they were dismal. You could, you could see it from the first 20 minutes of their first game against Canada. No legs in the team, didn't look to be playing for each other. Manager's a complete fraud, always has been. And uh, I mean, they they had some fantastic players, you know, those players four or five years ago, that was that was their chance and they didn't get over the line then. But when you look at it now, I mean, it's quite sad, actually, to see Eden Hazard the way he is now, because he he was so good, you know, when he was at Chelsea and um, he, he looks he looks about as fit as me at the moment. And Lukaku, I know, was coming back off an injury, um, you know, a recent injury. Um, but he wasn't the worst. I mean, you, you go into a tournament where your centre-halves are 34 and 35, then you're always going to be struggling. So, uh, But it was quite funny to watch them sort of implode and all start arguing with each other. And it's um, it was like a good impression of the Dutch at previous <laughs> tournaments where they've all, they've all got on each other. But um, Germany, I mean, apart from the fact that we had a player in their squad. Yeah, yep. the only um, real sadness, yeah. Yeah, that, and he didn't, get, he didn't get on the pitch, I don't think, did he? Yeah, well, there you go. Then that's where yeah. they went wrong. Yeah, obviously. But um, yeah, it's it's always fun if you're if you've been watching international football for for as long as I have, and the amount of pain that Germany have inflicted on England over the years, <laughs> it's um, it's always amusing when um, when Germany don't do particularly well. So uh, um, you know, I was watching watching their players crying on the pitch at the end, and I'm thinking, do I feel sorry for him? No, no, I don't. No, I don't. So. Um, <laughs> No, Germany can go home and have one of their um, have one of their rebuilds, but no doubt, come the Euros in two years' time, they'll probably be one of the favourites and uh, and right back on it. Yeah. I do feel sorry for Jamal Musiala, who could have just picked England and could have been part of a, a you know, potentially winning <laughs> team. I know, and and judging by the four smiles on the screens, there's not a lot of sympathy around, other than as you say for uh, Bella Kotchap. But uh, Ed, look, firstly, welcome back to TSP. Lovely to have you here tonight. Thanks for for joining us. Um, Secondly, I know Martin sort of briefly touched on some of the ex-Saints at the World Cup in last week's pod, Buffal, Deverald, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to, to kind of chat about uh, Japan being led by a, a sort of fantastic true Saint. I think we'd all call him that, Maya Yoshida. Um, 
won their group. I was thinking about this today, almost in sort of true Saints style, really, because they beat the two big sides, Germany and Spain, and then managed to lose to the whipping boys, Costa Rica. It was very uh, Saints-esque, as I say. Um, obviously, it's ended a bit uh, disappointingly today with the uh, the penalty shootout loss. But just in terms of Meyer and sort of how you've seen him through the tournament, because I know you uh, enjoy watching your football, what have you made of Japan and, and Maya Yoshida? Oh, I think uh, I think Japan have probably been the surprise package to get out of that group is a you know is an amazing uh, achievement really. But I think you know when you when you talk about Meyer, and I'm sure that you know Glenn will, will say the same. I mean, he was a great servant to our football club anyway, and I know he's a bit of a figurehead in the in the you know in the fan base, and I think everyone respects him for a you know what he did for the area in Southampton is in general, and you know he always. Um, he didn't always play the best, I know, but he always gave his his all. And he, to be fair, he's played pretty well in this World Cup. And uh, unlucky today, I mean, Japan were just dreadful in the in the shootout, um, unfortunately for them. And uh, it wasn't interesting to see two of our ex players in the middle of the uh, middle of the pitch before the penalty <laughs> penalties were taken. One who we uh, who we've got fond memories of, and one that we haven't. Yeah. Hmm. One's a true saint and one's a headless saint. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I think the only thing I was glad about was that it wasn't Lovren walking past him to take the winning penalty. But uh, there we go. But yeah, Mike Byers, who's watching, said Yoshida had a great World Cup till his penalty today. Um, I must also give Australia a quick shout out for their excellent performance at the World Cup. Uh, obviously, we're pressed for time, so we're not going to speak about every single uh, nation at the World Cup. But I do know that we have a lot of Aussie saints who listen to the pod. And we also have some patrons based down there as well. So great to see them do uh, really well at the World Cup and hopefully inspire the next generation of Aussie footballers. Obviously, I mean proper football when I say that. Um, Alfie, just lastly, before we chat about England versus Senegal, um, again, Martin and the chats were talking about Salasu against Ronaldo last week, the penalty. Mm. Um, obviously, I thought it'd just be good to talk about Sally. Um, you know, he had a fantastic performance against South Korea. I know they went out, but he also got a goal. And from a Saints point of view and from his point of view, nice to have a, a sort of World Cup strike that kind of means something to us. Yeah, and he was definitely unlucky, I think, with the Ronaldo incident, with the, the whole penalty, which I'm sure you spoke about last week. But um, I thought, again, he did really well, Sally. And it, he's almost unfortunate. It seems like, although he plays very well almost every time I watch him, you know, bar the occasional mistake, he's always in a defence that seems to ship loads of goals which, you know, know, it's got to be a causation or correlation there at some point. But unfortunately for him, yeah, they did go out. I thought he played really well, stood up to the test. Um, I watched the goal in London. I was actually on a couple of days away. And um, when he got it, you know, it's obviously class for him. Given that Armel Balakosha didn't get on the pitch and there was nobody else there, it was nice to have that Saints representative, you say. Um, He's waited so long to play for Ghana. You know, he had three or four call-ups before he's uh, sort of finally accepted it. And, you know, of course, you're going to accept it before the World Cup, aren't you? Why would you turn that opportunity down? Um, and I think he gave a good account for himself and probably put uh, another zero or maybe on the price. <laughs> yeah, let's not get, uh, let's not help that doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, yeah um, actually, okay. th- actually, that's worth mentioning. That was amusing as well. I know they lost to Uruguay, but Luis mm. Suarez crying his way out of the tournament was, that was a beautiful thing Glorious. as well. <laughs> absolutely, right <laughs> up there. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, moving on to chat about England's uh, round of 16 game against Senegal then. Um, the three lines, of course, securing victory by three goals to nil. Ed, ultimately, knockout football is all about winning, isn't it? It's not necessarily about the performance. And uh, in the end, it was very comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think we probably all sat there for 35 minutes wondering, you know, well, was this going to be a, you know, a, a Cameroon of a few years back and um, it turned out to be far easier than 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 it was you know than it started and the the goal the goal made a huge difference because the minute that goal went in you could you just saw the the Senegalese players they just their heads went down they you know, they lost their shape and uh, and England then just you know to be fair to England they took their chances really well and they moved the ball okay I mean England aren't always the most pleasing to watch or pleasing to the eye but I thought for half an hour um, they played. They played some pretty good football. Mm. 
Yeah, no, totally. And Alfie, from the the sort of um, starting lineup point of view, um, obviously Marcus Rashford had had a a really good game against Wales last uh, week with his two goals and his man of the match and and that sort of thing. Were you surprised to see him sort of drop out? I know Sarka scored, and we'll obviously come on to that in a a bit, but um, were you surprised to see Rashford drop out? Uh, maybe I was surprised, but I didn't disagree with the decision. I think uh, you know, Rashford's also got three goals in the tournament, which is more than most players will get. But both of his finishes against Wales, you know, the keeper probably could have done a little bit better. You've got, you've got to be the one to put it in. And, and fair play did. First touch against Iran as well, scored. But I think everyone can see that Saka and Foden are better players than Rashford. And Rashford's still a good option then to have off the bench. So if you've got Foden and Saka in there, and uh, you know both of them have shown that they, they, they're excellent. And Saka's you know, never really let England down. Obviously, people will point to the, the penalty, but that's just a 12-yard spot kick. But he's never really let England down. And, and I was actually quite pleased that Southgate decided to put those two in. Yeah. Yeah, and Glenn, uh, as uh, Ed was sort of mentioning there, that first 35 minutes, um, you know, certainly a, a pretty tough watch. Um, obviously, you've got to try and get through those periods, as we all know, in club and, and international football. But uh, a couple of close scares from Senegal and a, a really big save, uh, almost, you know, pretty much before we scored from Jordan Pickford. Yeah, I mean, Pickford, for all his... I mean, people tend to not like him too much for the way he carries on, you know, when he's playing against your team and stuff like that. But... He has been an excellent goalkeeper for England, and he's he's got fifty caps now. And you you can't you can't knock him really. He pulls out the big saves, you know, when they're needed. And at nil nil in the last sixteen game, that was needed. If that goes in, then who knows how the rest of the game pans out? As um, as you just said, it became apparent how important it was straight away because ten minutes later the game was over. You know, we scored the two goals and. Senegal basically fell to bits and they they kind of joined a slightly strange thing that I've seen at this World Cup from a couple of teams who have basically just whimpered out mm. you know they've not they've not gone down really going for it I'm thinking I mean Senegal there I thought Poland yeah were, were like that I thought Wales were like that there was mm. there was just there was no real fight there was there was nothing. It's just like they kind of accepted their fate rather than going for it. You might as well get beat five nil as two nil in a in, in what is a knockout game. Yeah. Um, you know, like Saints do, go for it. I was interested to know what everybody thought about um the refereeing at the World Cup because I think the refereeing has been superb this time around. And you probably, I don't know whether everybody else has noticed it, but have you noticed how a large majority of the diving has stopped because mm. just not getting anything. I mean, the refs, mm. I mean, how nobody was, how no Senegalese player was booked yesterday in that first hour, yeah. I don't know. It was the last five minutes when the first yellow card was shown. But what I would say is that it's really stopped all that diving around, looking for free kicks, you know, it's get up and get on with the game. And it's like a breath of fresh air, really. It's interesting that the um, the amount of extra time that's being played at yeah. the end of each half seems to have settled down a little bit now as well. Mm. So maybe maybe players are getting the message. Um, I, I've certainly noticed less time wasting mm-hmm. in the last you know the last game, probably the games over the last four or five days, which is uh, which is a good thing. But yeah, I largely agree. The refereeing has been good, but I did think the ref could have got his card out a little bit earlier in the um, in the England Senegal game. There was some real agricultural stuff um, <laughs> going on um, you know players had passed the ball a couple of seconds had gone by and then they got launched up in the air and, and that that sort of thing it has to be a book in no matter how lenient you're trying to be 
I've yeah, enjoyed one referee in particular. I think he did the game today between Croatia and Japan, but he also did the Cameroon-Brazil game, was it, where Abubakar scored at the last minute of the game and it took his shirt off, got a second yellow. And I enjoyed that as he administered that red card, they were both sort of laughing and shaking hands and stuff. <laughs> well, it was quite, quite a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. What, what a way to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you better hope your team doesn't go through now, otherwise you're going to regret that. But Yeah. Totally. And I have to say, I thought from a non-biased point of view, I thought Carl Walker was pretty lucky to get away with that yellow. I know they keep going on about England yeah. being the only team not to have a yellow card, but I thought he was good. But yeah, the only thing about the time, and I know the guys were talking about it last week, you kind of, you, you sort of, it's not good for the diet, is it? Because it's like 24 minutes, you think, oh, I can go and get another beer and some more chocolate or something like that. And it's, you know, that, I think we need to get back to like three or four minutes of injury time, I think. But uh, look, Ed, I mean, obviously the opening goal kind of came from our, our first proper attack um Jude Bellingham bursting onto Harry Kane's pass and squaring to Jordan Henderson I, I have to say publicly uh, I'm not a massive fan of Jordan Henderson probably because of who he plays for but I know Steve was talking about how pivotal he was against uh, Wales and USA last week and and I thought he had a really good game against uh, Senegal and, and obviously that goal kind of capped it yeah and um he's been getting a lot of stick from uh, Liverpool fans over the last you know three or four months since the season started I think he's been they've been very critical how of how slow and pedestrian he's been Perhaps he hasn't been fit. I don't know. But to be fair, I mean, he covered so much ground yesterday in that game, you know, and to get up there and score that goal. And he's, you know, you see him all over the pitch. And uh, I'm not always a big fan. Um, and I know other managers, you know, Alex Ferguson in particular, were, you know, have been very scathing about him as a player. But I thought he had a super game yesterday. Really, really one of the best players on the pitch. It's yeah. about making the midfield three tick, isn't it? It's about it's not about individual players. You you could maybe pick another player and say he's a better individual player than Jordan Henderson is, mm. but it's about what he brings out of Bellingham, how well he plays himself, knowing that Declan Rice is behind him. Mm. And mm. that's, he wouldn't have made that run usually in an England shirt that ended up in that first goal because he's usually been told to park himself in front of the back four. That will probably happen against France. <laughs> He'll get told <laughs> to park himself in front of the back four. Mm. But yeah, I, I totally agree with Ed. I echo every word, really. That I, I've never been the biggest fan of him, but I've realised this tournament. What's the choice? It, it, Mason Mount played in the midfield three in the first two mm. games and was poor, yeah. really, really poor. Yeah. And against America in particular, that, that midfield just completely failed to function. Mm. Um, so that's why he's brought Henderson in. If you don't play Henderson, then you got you, you play Calvin Phillips, who is, A, not, not been fit, so he's not going to be sharp. And he's a very, very defensive player. You know, he wouldn't have made that run to score that goal. So, you know, as far as as far as I can see, that Henderson stays in the team, and yep. he thoroughly deserves to. Yeah. I, think they, Declan, and... I think Declan Rice give, makes Jordan Henderson a better player. I think Declan Rice is such a good. I mean, he doesn't, mm. he doesn't appear to do a lot. Perhaps that's why he's so good. But he actually is an incredibly intelligent, good footballer, and mm. he plays that role sitting in front of the back three or four whatever you're playing and gives that protection but also gives I think gives Jordan Henderson a lot more time on the ball than he ordinarily gets in mm -hmm. the position that he plays and that of course then frees up Bellingham you know, in, in a lot more space because they almost marked him out of the game for the first half an hour and the minute that that first goal went in everything freed up and I thought they complemented each other really well. Yeah, it's that energy as well, isn't it? I mean, I heard him talking, I, I think it was before they played Frankfurt in the semi-final of the uh, the uh, Europa League. And he was talking about the fact that he played, I don't know, I'm guessing here, but I, I think 80 games the season before or something like that through England and then, you know, West Ham and Europa. And it's just his energy as well, Eddie, just kind of keeps going and going, doesn't he? 
Yeah, I think he's a great footballer. I mean, you can see why they're talking about him going, you know, for 100 million plus mm-hmm. at the end of the season. I'm sure West Ham are going to have to sell Rice at some point. He'll end up at Liverpool, City, one of the one of those teams. And he, I think he deserves to, to play in a team like that. He's, I think he's that good. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, Alfie, the, the second goal came along perfect timing, really, didn't it? Right on half time. We were talking earlier about Senegal's belief and that it kind of sort of, uh, you know, pretty much killed that off. Um, again, Jude Bellingham, the architect, winning it, I think, pretty much on the edge of the area, bursting forward, passing it to Foden first time. Harry Kane, um, they were talking, I think, in the commentary that he hadn't scored, was it for six World Cup games or something like that? So mm. uh, I may be wrong, but, uh, I, you know, I think, again, good to see him get on the, the score sheet. And uh, that's that's kind of been, you know, I know England are the top scorers at the competition, but that's been one of the interesting features as well. The, the goals are really being spread around the side. They have been, but now Harry Kane, I believe he's the, uh, is the England's leading all-time tournament goal scorer. I believe well, I saw look, that. You look like you're reading that, so I'm going to say yes. No, I, I'm not reading. I apologise. You. <laughs> you three are on my screen. That is all it is. I believe that's what it is. He's because uh, obviously he got five or so at the World Cup, or maybe six. I can't remember. And then he also scored a few in the Euros. So no English player ever scored more than him at tournaments. And uh, yeah, yeah, no. Again, it, Glenn sort of alluded to it earlier. It's about making things tick in midfield. And I think Harry Kane, to be fair, although he had a little bit of an episode, I think was it in the Euros or was it the World Cup where he was coming a little bit too deep and it wasn't mm. quite working. Yeah, he, he's right up there now, and, and he is making things tick. You know, you've got three assists already. The balls are playing through him um, and the runners in behind, which is one of the things that Rashford's really good at, actually, when Rashford does come in, is the runs in behind Harry Kane. Um, but I was going to ask you, I don't know, we haven't got unlimited time, but I wanted to ask you, chaps, how much do uh, does tournament football uh, influence the way you view a player? Because when you're talking about Jordan Henderson there, Glenn, I mean, I didn't rate Jordan Henderson at all until the 2018 World Cup. And I saw him play for England. And I was like, my eyes were just opened. I've been neglecting this player for however many years. And I love tournament players like Harry Maguire, all these guys that turn up for us. I just love it. It's... It's an interesting one because obviously you're you're a supporter of the team that he plays for for mm. for four weeks or whatever, whereas usually mm. you're not. Mm. So when he's playing for Liverpool, you're just looking at him in the context of being Jurgen Klopp's mouthpiece. Yeah. You, you're looking at him being their captain, being incredibly irritating, and and one of those players who always squares up to one of yours when when it gets a bit feisty. So you you, you don't like him, but the the game's over the years has been full of players like that who mm. you hate them when they're playing against you but if they're on your team mm. then you think they're great I mean going back donkey's years you know Terry Herlock when he played for Millwall you just could despise the guy but then he signed for us and you think oh actually he's great when he's on your team <laughs> um you know the, the game's always been full of characters like that but uh but yeah you do you do look at them through more favorable eyes so maybe maybe if um maybe that's a lesson to everybody put your prejudices prejudices yeah, aside yeah. a little bit and then uh, and then maybe you'll uh, you you will find enlightenment yeah. <laughs> this has got deep very quickly absolutely <laughs> good, that one. um glenn i wanted to discuss uh, jude bellingham uh, i think mm. almost leading on from that point that there you know i've read a lot i've seen a lot i don't watch German football religiously like maybe Steve does you know I know Steve follows Borussia Dortmund but you hear a lot about Jude Bellingham um 19 years old I'm not sure if you can remember what you were doing when you're 19 I, I certainly can't Drinking. but <laughs> I mean you know it's it's evident from again watching this World Cup you know he's mm. got to be one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment mm. you just watch his energy and his ability yeah. and you know clearly how much it means to him at 19 I mean he's, he's literally got the world at his feet hasn't he he, he absolutely has. And to, and also he, he's playing one of the toughest positions on the pitch mm. as well as he, you know, as a youngster. And, and he's, he's been absolutely tremendous in these games so far. I must admit, I, before the tournament, I watched him play in a couple of the friendlies that England had and England weren't playing well. You know, we had those Nations Leagues games where we, we weren't great. And 
I got a bit frustrated with him, to be honest, because I thought, yeah, he looks good. And then he'll get to the edge of the penalty area and, and nothing will happen. Um, mm. He hadn't scored a goal before the, the tournament. And then he, he's come into this tournament and it's, you know, you could, t- you could tell there was a player in there, but mm. my words, you know, since, since this tournament's kicked off, he's, I mean, it's, it's difficult for a player to play their way into Gareth Southgate's starting lineup because it really hasn't changed much mm. over the years. But he's gone from being, okay, someone we might give 10 minutes to at the end to now he's a guaranteed starter. And if, I mean, I hope he doesn't, but if he does decide to change the team for the, for the French game and, you know, put an extra centre-half in there, it, it 100% will not be Bellingham that gets left no, out. No. Um, so, you know, I, he, he just seems to be able to do everything. He can, he can stick a foot in. And he can, you know, he could, so he can make tackles and he also drives forward, can go past people, can pick a pass out, can score a goal. There's, there's nothing that doesn't appear to be any obvious weaknesses in his game. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing we will get tired of is hearing about which Premier League, Super League club is going to sign him. And he's (laughs) already, he's already, I don't think so. Oh, he's best known for Jordan Henderson. Really. Did you see that celebration? They signed yeah, maybe, may, may but I think the amount of money, mm. I don't know what his contract situation is and whether mm. his age is a, is a bearing on this, but the, the amount of money it's going to cost, he's mm. going to be out of the reach of probably three of the, you know, six Super League clubs that we've got in this country. So, yeah, it will be interesting, but it will get slightly tiresome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam, Lala, Adam Lallana was best mates with uh, Jordan Henderson, Alfie, and they got rid of him, so you never know. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> oh. I think Jordan might be slightly better. I think it's refreshing to see someone who just is enjoying their football, frankly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I think we've seen so many good, gifted footballers. And, you know, I mean, even just good, not even excellent footballers, you know, Deli Ali is a prime example of someone yeah. who is a talented footballer and he's just ended up on a scrap heap. And I just mm. look at Bellingham and I think he's an intelligent young man. He's obviously loves his football, he's enjoying playing. He's not playing in our league, but you know, the Bundesliga is a strong physical mm. league, a bit like ours. And um, wherever he goes, I just hope he doesn't lose the passion and you know wanting to do well, which you know clearly is showing on the pitch because he he, he plays with a smile on his face. It's actually refreshing, it's refreshing to see. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And just just finally on that, then Ed, I was thinking. Obviously, the third goal was Bukayo Saka. You mentioned earlier, sort of, you know, that disgusting abuse he got after the Euros. You know, again for me, someone that I sort of see in a national shirt, and I think what a talented young player. Mm. And then when he's playing for England, you almost want him to do well. And that's the exciting thing for us, I think, as English fans, isn't it? The likes of Bellingham, the likes of Saka, the likes of Phil Foden. I mean, I think you know, Steve said here, you've almost got two, three more World Cups of these guys around. You know, that we can enjoy in an England shirt. Yeah, and I thought Foden made the point yesterday when he was interviewed after the game when he said, you know, it's about time I started replicating my form for my club, for my country. Um, And um, he hasn't really, maybe he hasn't had as many chances as he could have done. But I do think, yes, I think the last couple of games he's stepped up. I think he's found it was a great cross from him from that left hand side for the for the third goal. And I think you're starting to see. By actually Southgate having, you know, having confidence in playing him, that the more you play him, the better he's going to get. Um, and you look at England's team, and I know that France are, you know, arguably probably a little bit favourites to win this game at the weekend. But we've got an awful lot more on our bench. I think we've got a lot more depth in our squad. And if we can just hold on to their two or three key players, I think we've got a really good chance. And I think the young the youngsters, they're not afraid. And I think yeah. that's what's going to be so important in this game. 
100%. Alfie, just finally on the England-Senegal game then before I uh, sort of move on to the, the France game. Um, of course, they played the entire World Cup without their talisman and we're talking about a lot of ex-Saints mm-hmm. tonight. Unfortunately, Sadio couldn't be part of the World Cup. Do you think that's kind of made their achievements of getting through to the round of 16 and, and giving England a decent fight for the first half an hour, mm-hmm. admittedly after that they fell apart? But, you know, do you feel like they've almost... A, a sort of achieved above and beyond what they might have if he had been in the side. Yeah, look, they had a they had a group that was um, on paper probably you know, relatively favourable. Obviously, the Netherlands were a really tough side, but you look at Qatar, okay, Asian champions, and Ecuador were actually a very good side. So they, I think, they did well to traverse that group in the way they did. And then against England, they were also missing both of their defensive midfielders as well, which obviously didn't get uh, spoken about. But Adrissa Gay and another player whose name I can't remember were both out. Um, and they, like I said, they still gave us a game. And yeah, it would have been really good to see Sadio Mane play because having sort of led them to the the um, at the African Cup and sort of hitting that check mark to then be able to come to the World Cup and, and show what he can do, even though he's 30, 31 years old, um, was a miss. But, you know, I think those kind of things can inspire players as well. If your talisman is out, um, then you want to deliver, don't you? You want to, you know, if Harry Kane was out for the, the final, the, the World Cup, then everybody else is going to step up and actually one or two percent because you have to deliver for your, your captain, your talisman. Yeah, yeah. No, no, fair point. Absolutely, yeah. All right, well, next up for England is uh, Didier Deschamps' French side next Saturday at 7pm UK time. Um, Glenn, defending champs, of course. Do we uh, see France as the main favourites for the, the Cup currently? Um, France and Brazil. Yeah, Brazil are kind of falling up, aren't they? I was going to say, Mike Byers has sent a message <laughs> going, watching Brazil tonight, they're on fire. So, yeah, um, sounds, yeah. sounds like it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, France and Brazil have looked the yeah. best two sides since the opening game. And England... England have always been good at beating teams who are ranked lower than us. Basically, we we hmm. we we come unstuck when we play against you know the the traditional big countries and teams that work incredibly hard, like America did. So I, I refuse to get too carried away about England at the moment because we haven't played anybody. It's the first who, real test, isn't it? Yeah, Proper we test. haven't played anyone who is a, a potential winner of this tournament hmm. at all. Hmm. So. We're now playing probably the toughest team we could play at this stage um, in France. They are an excellent side. They are very well organised. Not only that, they've got that sprinkling of magic, you know, similar to ourselves, but that they've got a a slightly better sprinkling of magic. I mean, Mbappe. There's a lot mm. written about him in, um, you know, to do with his personality and the way he behaves at PSG and all that sort of stuff, but. On the pitch, the the guy is ridiculous. He's ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about Bellingham having everything, but you know, Mbappe's got it and more. Mm. He he's he's just he's just mad. There was one there was one cross he put in in one game where he, he just he just absolutely did the defender, the, did the right back, and then just it was it was the way he was look he was looking up whilst he was going past the defender and just clipped it to the back post, and I think Giroud headed it in, and it was yeah. just a ridiculous goal, just a a supremely talented player, probably on current form, the best player in the world on, on yeah. what I've mm. seen. So, yeah. so we've got to stop him, but ironically, I think the, I think the problems are going to come on the other side that Shaw and Maguire worry me slightly, <laughs> and they'll be up against um, Dembele yeah, on the yeah. right hand side. And, and Griezmann kind of floats around that area as mm. well. So that'll be where I think the main, the main problem will come. And I, I just hope that Gareth Southgate has got his big boy pants on. And we, you know, we play the same team, same formation mm. that we had. Because if we go to, you know, a three at the back formation, and you know, who you you bringing in either Trippier or mm. Eric Dyer or someone like that, and 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 we we get beat, then we might as well have got beat having a go. Yeah, yeah. 
and yeah. and I think you know our strength is going forward. If France have got a weakness, it's 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 the defensive midfield side of things and the and the defence. So we have to get at them, and I I just hope we trust our defenders and goalkeeper to do um to do a decent job. But it's uh, it's going to be very very difficult to stop France from scoring over ninety yeah. minutes. So we have to have some attacking threat. We can't do what Southgate has done in the past and play five at the back, two holding midfielders, and then a big gap. Mm. And then, you know, and then Harry Kane. It's just, you're not going to win the game like that. So yeah. I just hope we approach it in a positive way. Yeah. And that and that's the thing, Ed, isn't it? I, I think Glenn's spot on. You know, it's a, it's a different challenge. We're going with all due respect from facing Sheffield United and a Watford striker to the likes of Mbappe, Giroud, Griezmann, Dembele. I mean, it's a different class of player. Oh look, I think that um, I think we all know that, um, and I think it doesn't do us any harm to be, you know, not the favourites to win that game. Mm. I think, you know, we in the past World Cups or major tournaments, we've already performed quite well against the the, the better teams in these games. We haven't always won them. We've lost on penalties, or we've lost by the odd goal. I don't think there'll only be there will be any lack of trying or effort. And I think if you get into the French, I think there is, you know, I think there is the potential there for the French to have a little bit of a moan and a bit of infighting within the team. I think there's just quite a lot of individuals in there. Um, you know, I don't think Giroud is the best striker in the world, but he gets great service from those yeah. wide players. And, um, you know, if, if you're saying that Giroud is your number one striker, I mean, that's not anything to be particularly scared about. However, we are renowned for, A, missing opportunities, and and, and that, that does worry me because we need to take every opportunity we get Saturday. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And that's the thing, Alfie, isn't it? I suppose if you look at both ends of the pitch, we can't play for 35 minutes like we did against Senegal because we will get punished. But at the other end, as we well know, we watched Spurs long enough. Hugo Lloris has got a mistake in him. Varane's obviously just come back into the side, haven't been injured. You know, the the left back is replacing, I think, his brother who was out injured. You know, it's not necessarily their back five isn't necessarily their strongest back five. Yeah, and I think to be fair, we were all a little bit concerned going back a couple of months after you know, the Nations League isn't important, but we didn't play very well. And I actually think that that might have been a very important wake-up call for Gareth Southgate in a, in a few things. And I think that one of those things that it may lead to is that the system he is currently playing now, in my opinion, is the best fit to to beat France on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I really think it is not only because it gives us that attacking opportunity, and we you know we don't sit back like you say with Glenn and, and like Ed mentioned, bringing Eric Dyer on and just losing one 0 pointlessly. Saka on that right-hand side is going to be able to help out Carl Walker with Teo Hernandez. He's a disciplined player, although he's an attacking player, and that's what he should be doing. He will be helping out on that right-hand side, and that will just free up Carl Walker a little bit, just to focus on Kylian Mbappe. Jordan Henderson on the right-hand side of that midfield sat a little bit deeper. You know, we, we don't want to see Bellingham have to come back and, and fill in, but if Henderson's going to be able to sort of nip over to that, that side where Mbappe is and help Carl Walker out, Bellingham comes in a little bit more. You just have that security and you can sort of, you can pick their their targets and you can nullify them and still have that attacking going forward. I mean, Phil Foden will always hopefully create chances. You know, I say hopefully, Benjamin Pavard seems to play very well for France. I mean, you know, no one's ever watched him play a club game, but yep. he, he turns out for them every single week for their country. So I think that, and Southgate will hopefully realise now that this is the best way to do it. And like, like Glenn says, you don't need to go to the five, although we've been successful with that against bigger teams on occasion. In a word then, Glenn, are we going to get through against France? Um, I think, <laughs> in a word, yeah, why not? I think you've already used too many. I think, it, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it could be a penalties job. Yeah. I think we, talk, I think we talked about England not having the most difficult opposition in in World Cup so far. But I equally don't think France have played anything particularly exceptional. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think you have to take it as it is. I think both teams, this is going to be their first real test. 
And I don't think anybody wants to play England, just like nobody. Be, really as you say, they'll be as worried of us, Ed, won't they? So, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Nothing yeah. to be afraid of. Yeah. Rather, like Glenn said earlier, I think it's better to go out having a go than it is to just whimper a, a 1 0 or a 2 1 loss and think, oh, I wish we'd had a go and, you know, been a bit, you know, perhaps. Yeah. Because you know, that, that's what we've done in the last two tournaments, even though we've got mm, to yeah. a, we've got to a yeah. final and and a semi-final in both those games though we've done very well to get to those to that stage we've kind of just wimped out you know Mm. at the end and we don't want another another exit like that it's a south gate failing unfortunately yeah and i I just i just i see i see encouraging signs that he's he's learning Mm. you know that that Mm. he that he's learned and we haven't lost the things that we're good at which is dispatching the um you know the not so great teams and um, and and hopefully he um, he goes for it a little bit in this game on um, Saturday. You alluded to earlier, Glenn, like the fact that Jude Bellingham has played himself into the team so comfortably. Now Phil Foden's done the same thing, although of course the performance is unbelievable. Gareth Southgate still has to accept that and put them in, and he and he has done. And I think they're the little things we can see that he's learning. He's seeing these young players. You can trust them. They are better than what you know Mason Mount that was there. Even Raheem Sterling, although admittedly Raheem Sterling might well have started on on the weekend and sadly had to go home for personal reasons. You know, I think I, I probably would have started Phil Foden and maybe Gareth as well. Absolutely, yeah. I've I'm, I've not been the biggest Raheem fan. His goal out his goal output has been has been good, but his mm. his overall play, I feel, has held England back a little bit over the last um, certainly the last sort of year or so. So, yeah. I wasn't surprised that he got left out of the um, is it the um, the Wales game. Wales, yeah. and, um, there's no there's no coincidence that he's lost his form since he left Man City. You know, let's be honest. I mean, he he just hasn't looked the same player at Chelsea. He might have done for the no. first couple of games, but I, I think that's a big. I think that's a big thing. It's a perfect segue into the fact that uh, the only thing he's done this season probably is score against Saints. So we could end up with uh, ten minutes here talking about Saints. So nicely done, guys. Um, <laughs> all right then. Well, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how that goes uh, on uh, Saturday against France. Um, but yeah, to, to finish up, uh, a quick look at what's going on, or, or not necessarily on the uh, Saints side of things at the moment. Um, Alfie, it's uh, Monday recording. Saints have headed mm. out to Andalusia today for a, a week of uh, sort of warm weather training uh, with Nathan James. Um, from your point of view and what you've heard, what are they? hoping to get out of that apart from a nice winter tan of course there's only no winter tan i don't think because um i looked at the weather a couple of days ago and certainly from the video of them touching down it was raining or there was certainly water <laughs> on the floor so not so much a warm weather camp in the south of spain at the moment unfortunately but i think everybody knows what they want to get out of it it's as simple as just bonding getting to know the manager's methods everybody there apart from uh, everybody is there rather apart from uh, mohammed salas to arma chap so it's a full squad tino livermento carl walker peters are both there uh, Livermento pictured in training, which is obviously fantastic. Um, it's just a chance for him to get to know these guys. And there's a lot of young players as well, you know, like Ryan Finnegan's there, who's somebody who had a first team chance uh, a couple of years ago, wasn't it? But ever since then, he sort of had to wait a little bit. And, you know, he's there, Jimmy J. Morgan, Lewis Payne, Nico Lawrence, a couple of these guys that maybe we'll see in the FL Cup game. Um, yeah, it's just all about getting to know his ways. And I've spoken to uh, Terry Skiverton, who was somebody who worked with Nathan Jones as his manager at Yeovil Town. Yeah, yeah. He, told me, he told me a lot of things about um, his diet, his Spanish diet and stuff like that. You know, he lived in Numancia for a little bit of time. So I'm not surprised that he's chosen Spain as the, the, the eventual location. Um, I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do. It's just a shame that there's no friendlies um, that have been seemingly organised. I know they played behind closed doors against Bristol City, but it'd have been good to maybe watch a streamed match or you know, see some kind of 11 v 11. Yeah, I can I can see it now that some of the uh, the lads are just uh, dos cerveza por favor in it, and he's teaching them a bit more Spanish and all that sort of thing now. So uh, Ed, look, it feels like quite a while ago since it happened, and obviously it's still a, a couple of weeks until Saints play again. But uh, you know, 
every, everyone will probably know for those that have heard you on the pod before you've been a Saints fan a long long time what have you you made a sort of the Ralph out Nathan Jones in situation I think the Ralph out thing was probably six months a year too late in you know in my opinion I don't know what anybody else thought but I, I think we saw the last press conference with Ralph before he lost his job or before he Move, decided to, to leave or however it happened um, and I could just see a man who's you know was dejected and uh, you know I think we all agreed that they finally put him out of his misery I, I think Ralph's brought some good things I think that if Ralph had carried on the way he'd started which was to play the high press um, and to continue the way that we play with that high energy and the fitness I think you know it, he would have probably lasted a bit longer but I think there was so many mixed I don't think he knew how to you know what his best side was, what his best lineup was, how his formation was going to work, and I think that the best win in the world the last few weeks. You know, and I don't miss. You know, I don't miss any games. I, I've noticed our lack of fitness. We're not competitive enough. We don't press. You know, Warprowse is wasted in the middle of the park. Um, you know, because mainly because Lavia was injured, but. There just seems to be no, um, there's no no central core to the team. And, you know, and I think, so him now going, and my understanding is that fitness is going to be a big issue with, with Nathan Jones. I don't think anybody's going to be, uh, mm-hmm. put it mm-hmm. this way, I don't think you're going to see the type of football we've been watching over the last year. I no dos of these poor fellows. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think, um, as nice as Nathan Jones appears, I don't think he suffers fools gladly. Yeah. So I think we're going to be seeing a high pressing, hard working team. It may not win us, you know, what we, but I think it it should. I hope it will be enough. And there's enough, there's enough good, there's enough good in that team to not be in that bottom three stroke five, in my opinion. I'm a Saints fan, so I will be a bit a bit biased, but I am a realist, and I don't, and I do honestly believe there's enough there to comfortably stay up this year because there are. There's got to be three worse teams than us. There's got to be. Yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to the Brighton game on Boxing Day, and do you know what? I genuinely, even though I know it's going to be rubbish and we're going to lose one 0 I literally can't wait for it. So yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited. But uh, Glenn, the other thing that's of course happened this week is the FA Cup draw. Uh, I think uh, probably there was a lot of oh, mm. boring and all that sort of thing. We got Crystal Palace away. I, I worked out it was the fourth time we played them in the cup competition since January 2015. Uh, oh, the last one. two times in the FA Cup, both at St Mary's, they won by the odd goal. Of course, this is up at their place, but I think it was a bit of a sort of meh, uh, reaction, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely horrendous draw. Probably the worst that you could have, really, because it's just not interesting. Yeah. If you get um, if you get one of the huge clubs away from home, then it's like, OK, concentrate on the league this season, lads, you know. Mm. Uh, and But, it, it, you know, it's a it's a big day out, isn't it? it you well, know, even bigger to... now, because Pompey are playing Spurs at the same time in London. That's going to be interesting. Uh, well, that won't, that won't happen. That'll get moved. <laughs> it's one of the Spurs, I, I bet Spurs and Pompey will get moved to yeah. Sunday or something. But yeah, Palace away is a, is a real, uh, for, for them as well, it's just a, it's just a Boring, rubbish, yeah. rubbish yeah. draw, isn't it? And um, I'll take it there's no replay, is it? Straight to penalties. That, yeah. Oh, God forbid, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, we got to go up there and give it a go, but it, it's... It's not the most appetising of draws from the um, it's a dreadful know, from the trip. outside. It's, it's a dreadful mm. trip. It's yes. a dreadful yeah. ground. It, Apparently the no train strike as well. Train, train strike, strike as well yeah. that day. But so, to be fair, you've got the EFL Cup at least. You know, the fact that you'll hopefully will dispatch Lincoln you know, hopefully relatively comfortably. And a palace out of that, Alfie, because we'll probably get them in the next round. Well, yeah, it's a good point. I'll have to check. But you can, you know, should should the worst happen at Palace and you do get beat in the various FA Cup, you've still got uh, the chance of going deep into a cup competition and then you can focus on the league. So 
it's a shame that it's sort of come to that, but you know, I'm not going to be particularly um, dismayed at the result of Selhurst Park, whatever happens. Yeah, no, totally right. Well, we should quickly mention the uh, Saints B team as well, who beat Colchester United mm-hmm. 7-1 on Friday evening in the Premier League Cup. Those in attendance included uh, Saints manager Nathan Jones. Briefly, I think you were there, Alfie, were you? I was not. I was ill, but my colleague was. Oh, right. uh, yeah, 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 unfortunately. There you go, but uh, 7-1. Um, and then the, but look, uh, they, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you want to know about it, but the team was the under-16s team, basically. There were three debutants. All of the under the B teams, under-18s, were playing in the FA Youth Cup. Um, mm-hmm. so eventually, I don't know if you got there, just managed to sneak have three teams. Dominic Ballard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was an unbelievable achievement, to be fair. 7-1 with a, a 9 out of 10 rotated team. And, and Willie Caballero. And Willie Caballero, who got himself <laughs> an assist. <laughs> he was 26 um, but... years older than his defender <laughs> good to have a bit of experience in the team <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly and uh, yeah as Alfie mentioned the under 18s beat uh, Coventry City 3-2 in the FA Youth Cup thanks to a 120 minute uh, mm. winner from the ever prolific uh, Dominic Ballard just finally the women's team great 1-1 draw against top of the table London City Lioness this past weekend as well if my research is correct and I took it directly from Alfie House's Twitter feed so I'll trust it's right uh, that's nine games unbeaten in the women's championship for the yeah. team now so massive credit to them for that. The club also announced this week that there's an opportunity to support them for free against Tottenham Hotspur on the 18th of December in the Conti Cup. Uh, no relation to Antonio Conte, I understand. To find out more, just go to southamptonfc.com where you'll find all the details, including how to register and claim those free tickets. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Don't forget that you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's just at Total Saints Pod. There's also our website, totalsaints.co.uk, which includes a link to our online shop, Total Saints icons we're also on patreon where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution just visit patreon.com which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n slash total saints podcast we have four tiers ranging from five pound to 20 pound per month each comes with their own perks including weekly shout outs for those patrons in our francis Pilali or mick shannon tiers on that basis a big thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins and Matt Hall in the Francis Bernali tier. And also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Nick Kingston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, Nick Reed, and of course, Ed in our Mick Shannon tier. A quick reminder to all active TSP patrons that we'll be running a pre-Christmas TSP VIP event on Thursday the 15th of December at 7.30pm. Instructions on how to act... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Access that are in your Patreon inboxes. Hope to see a few of you there. In the meantime, many thanks to Alfie, Glenn and Ed. Martin will be back next Sunday, the 11th, with the latest World Cup updates and opinions and reaction to that England versus France game. Until then, thank you for listening and catch you all soon. Come on, England. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.